This can be played at high volume. Live and local. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday. And you know what that means. Finally time for the world famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no holds barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. And welcome back to Under the Dome with the world-famous CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Let me talk to you for one more hour. If you want to call us up, 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. Zero one one one, and Cajun Nation. I think this is a conversation you want to get into, because I'm starting to think there may be a little bit of apathy amongst the Cajuns fan base. Hopefully, you have a great Saturday morning, and maybe a win over South Alabama perked you up a little bit. But I just feel like there's a sense that this athletics program after a really good start because i gotta give credit where credit is due what dr brian maggard has done so far his resume speaks for itself he helped turn a middling program in the cajuns football team helped them flip the script and be able to crack an eight and four glass ceiling that was over them for a while and got to 10 wins that's fantastic stuff a sunbelt conference championship a fantastic send-off for one Billy Napier where you finished off with one of the most historic seasons this program's ever seen. Getting a Cajuns team, which felt impossible about 15, 20 years ago, to get into the AP Top 25. He went to Florida. It was his time. It was his time to go ahead and make his money. He knows his worth, and he found the right place to land. He finished his job, if you will. He built a great program, a great culture. That culture is continuing with Coach Dez. And I'm interested to see how that works out with Coach Dez. But the crux of my conversation here, you can call me up, 337-706-0111, with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and maybe a little bit of apathy revolves around the basketball program. The basketball program announced, or Dr. Brian Maggard essentially said they were bringing back Bob Marlin for one more season. And I think there were a ton of people just absolutely just like upset, damn near apoplectic, depending on who you talk to, about what about that decision, about why that decision was made. And I'll give credit. I wound up seeing this from some friends of mine that, that definitely have a lot more clout stroke and know some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Kind of said essentially that the program has been operated in the red. And when I heard that, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. In terms of being able to afford a buyout. And I'm sure the buyout isn't. And here's the thing, guys. 
I was a person who was saying for a while, I thought Bob Marlon was going to hang it up, going to hang up the whistle. I think they're just going to let him play it out and let him go on his own, quote unquote, his own terms. And then they can start searching and have their next guy in place. They can have their guy ready to go. That's the whole conversation when it comes to the Vermilion and White. And I can tell you right now, that's where I'm at with this Cajuns program. The basketball team has not necessarily panned out the way we think because every year we get hyped up. A lot of it with Greg Williams. There is absolute hype around that program every single year because of what Bob Marlin does working the transfer portal to a T. Here's the thing. Other teams in that conference have started to catch up. Have started to figure out how to execute that perfectly every single season. And we're seeing that. South Alabama got a really good transfer player from LSU, and they were able to be a lot better on the basketball front. Bob Marlin, again, it's a copycat league, and they were still able to get to the conference tournament final. I think if it was one and done, I think Bob Marlin might have been cut loose. But the fact you were able to get just that much closer to a NCAA tournament berth, which the only way you'll get in is, wait for it, is going through a Sunbelt Conference tournament and winning it because it's a one-bid league. I don't see that changing anytime soon, but it's a conversation I think we're going to be having further down the road about where things kind of stand. Now, when we flip it over to the discussion about everything else going on with the program, because to a certain extent, Sunbelt Conference-wise, the Cajuns, I think the softball program, has been down in a sense, keyword here, in a sense that they have not been able to beat ranked teams. They haven't been able to be a consistent world beater like many expect them to and yes they have a very tough schedule they 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 have a schedule that does them no favors and here's the thing about that because i would like to go look back side by side some of the former regime and jerry glasgow's regime and how those schedules stack up side by side i think we can i think Undisputed, just based off of what I've seen, the the point of view that I have is that the Cajun softball program has a much tougher schedule now than they did five years ago when Michael Oteep was running things. That's just what I think, and that's what I've been seeing. And while the win-loss record doesn't look necessarily as great, they're not able to beat ranked teams, I think we can all agree this is that kind of rebuilding year. Next year, we see things get a little bit better. Then we got the baseball program. The baseball program has been a lot of consistently consistent. Matt Deggs, I think it's been a lot of him readjusting, and the team hasn't had a solid identity, hasn't had a cohesiveness to where it can be a consistent you know, front runner for the Sun Belt West. That's almost a birthright for that program, if we're being really honest. 
that road's going to get a lot tougher with the Southern Misses of the world coming over. But it feels like Sunbelt West is a birthright. They just don't do anything when they get over to Alabama for the state for the state championships, listen to me, Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Cajun softball, on the other hand, they're going to be in the regional more likely than not because they'll continue to win at least two out of three, maybe a few sweeps here and there, and they'll get better. That's the most important part of all this. They will get better. But I'm amazed to hear a lot of people talk about apathy and being almost apathetic, especially when it comes to the basketball program. I think that's just the fact that people getting burned one too many times with these highly sought after transfer guys not working out. Some people, I mean, one name I can think of off top has to be Malik Marchetti is one of those. And the team did look better down the stretch this year. I'll give them credit. They didn't have to deal with as many injuries. And that was something I noticed and took away from the last couple of years where they'll have a really strong start, but then by some form of witchery, trickery, magic, I don't know how they did this, how this happened, but the I'm, I'm still blown away by this. The fact that they have had guys just go down right before conference play starts. This year, you didn't have that. You had Kobe Julian going full go, which was great to see. His story has been amazing. Those guys performed really well down the stretch. I'm just, I can understand some of the apathy towards basketball. I feel like the overall program, the overall athletics program, has also taken a little bit of a, like, okay, what's going on? How is this going to look? two or three years down the road. And there's some justified concern, but I feel like maybe it's all hype. We'll go out to the game hotline, 337-706-0111, if you want to get in on the conversation. Now we go over there right now. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Hey, CD, I got a hey, two-year point. Yeah, this is a two-year point. Now, you all have way more money and resources and everything than St. Peter's. But yes, St. Peter's in the Elite Eight. I mean, I don't understand this. Uh, to your point, you got the, a, new, a, a team from Jersey City, New Jersey. Don't have much. Don't have a whole lot of stuff. But they're in the Elite Eight. This tells, tells you about the UL program as far as the basketball is concerned. I mean, my goodness. You got way more money, way more resources, everything. St. Peter's ain't got nothing. No, and I'm in agreement with you. I think there's something to be said about that. But when you look at this team, I mean, over the last few years, they've started to get, I mean, St. Peter's, state team that just hasn't, they, this is the first time they're, I appreciate the call again, Ken, and I'm with you. I think there's something to be said about that. But at the same time, March Madness is privy to this all the time. St. Peter's has only been in four NCAA tournament appearances, has only been able to get into the tournament, because wait for it, wait for it, they won the conference championship. That's the biggest thing that's been missing from this team over the last, like, oh, over almost a decade. Think about that. It's been almost a decade since the Cajuns won a Sun Belt Conference tournament to get into that one bid, punch your ticket, you are in league that they are in, in the Sun Belt Conference. I don't know why it hasn't necessarily always panned out. 
I don't know why it was just the right combination of one Alfred Payton and one Sean Long that got them over the top. When you had guys like Bryce Washington, Casey Shepard, the list goes on and on. Like you could pretty much have a laundry list of guys that probably had a golden opportunity, damn near Willy Wonka-style golden ticket to get to the NCAA tournament and maybe do something. But again, St. Peter's just pure luck has gotten into this. I mean, they have a record. They, heading into this year, they were 3-3. Three and three. No, it's their third time, so they've won three games. All the other times, they've been 0-3. The Cajuns, to my knowledge, have not won a single NCAA tournament game since the Field of 64 was created, since the tournament was created. I know they played back in the day in the NITs, back when, you know, you had, you know, the Boston Strangler, Andrew Tony, and all that stuff. But I have to agree with Ken. It's the fact that there's just been a overall, and again, some of it's a lot of bad luck, what have you. But over the years, they've been a team that can make a run in the NIT, but never making it past, you know, a NCAA, in terms of NCAA Division ones. it's been a long time. Since 1992, when they beat Oklahoma and pulled off a big upset as the 13th seed. It's going to be interesting to see how long it could be before they get even back to an NCAA tournament, depending what happens between now when Bob Marlin leaves and who takes over. But I think there's just got to be more invested into building a good program. It's great to have a culture. And Bob Marlin, again, I've talked about it before. Bob Marlin, genuinely one of the nicest people I've known. And I've dealt with, not just in the media, but just personally. Because a while back, we had a job fair. And it was a student job fair. Wound up going over there talking to some of the players. And just before it all got started, Bob Marlin had a meeting before he even, you know, started. He saw me. He talked to me. Hey, Clint, how's it going? And we talked for a, for a quick moment, but it was the fact that he acknowledged me. Doesn't have to. Doesn't have to talk to me at all. But the respect he shows me, the respect he shows the media and everybody, that's a great thing. But sometimes you got to realize wins matter a lot more. And the Cajuns just haven't gotten enough to the point where it can be consistent a team like a Georgia State. Georgia State had Gonzaga for a little while on the ropes in the first round. I think people forget that. Again, it's recency. Everybody's talking more about the fact that Houston beat them with their defense, putting the clamps on them. But why can't that be the Raging Cages? I think that's the question we have to ask, not just as fans, but as people of the media, people who just observe a team that's been on the outside looking in of the tournament a couple years shy of a decade. Like, seriously, think about that. It's been eight years since the Cajuns took on Creighton. Creighton in an NCAA tournament game. They'll always be a strong underdog in all these games because, well, it's the way the world works in the world of the NCAA tournament, the Sunbelt teams will always be towards the bottom. 
but something has to be done. There needs to be some new life breathed into this program. And maybe that can be something that gets the overall apathy towards Cajun athletics. Because again, the the bar has been set pretty doggone high. And not just for football, but I think for basketball, especially women's basketball. Because again, two uh, last season, not this past season, but the season before, the Cajuns won a regular season title in women's basketball. That was a year where I thought it would have been make it or break it for Gary Broadhead. Not the case. Then you have softball. Softball's expectations are always to be a team that's going to be in a regional, maybe even host the regional. I think the host regional, that's more of a next-year talk. Baseball, it's hoping to, I think, expectation is to win the Sun Belt West and hopefully make a run to where you can secure a regional spot. And it's been damn near a decade since that Cajuns team has been into the NCAA tournament regional host or just a member of a regional in general. We're just trying to figure out how things are going right now. If we're talking about Cajuns athletics, I'm not going to say it's in a good place or a bad place. It's a little bit of a, for lack of a better word, purgatory, because you don't know where things are headed because of everything that's been going on and the instability in the sense of kind of guards shifting in and out through the night. What's going to happen next? I hope we see light at the end of the tunnel and we see some positivity coming down the pike. Going to keep the music rolling on. Going to keep this show rolling on next. We're going to get into the conversation about the March Madness. We talk about St. Peter's, the Peacocks. Maybe pretty good. But I think we can all agree, one team in particular is a strong, strong favorite in Duke. We'll talk about that next right here on The Game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. After all your problems during the week, it's finally the weekend. Yeah, baby! That's what I've been waiting for. That's what it's all about. That means you're getting more Under the Dome with CD right now. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with yours truly, the world famous CD, right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. And I was talking about it earlier, all the great stuff we got up for grabs right now in the clubhouse. We got a chance for you to win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House by simply joining the 1037, the game clubhouse, excuse me, at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. But, you know, I feel like it's old, it's old commercials. But wait, there's so much more up for grabs right there, especially if you just want to get some gift certificates. Ample opportunities to get in on it, including a $150 gift certificate right now to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse or even $25 to Mabel's Kitchen, both located inside Cypress Bayou Casino Hotel. And those two, especially the Steakhouse, it's one of the best in the entire state. Just thinking about those succulent steaks, I know it's about 1130 in the morning. I had breakfast a little bit earlier in the day. I'm getting very hungry, and I'm in the mood for that. So maybe 
not too far down the road, maybe make a trip over to Sheraton to go over to Cypress Bayou Casino Hotel. Throw a little money in those slot machines. Hopefully they get a sports book open before long. And more importantly, enjoy some food from Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. I'm absolutely loving it. And I got to give a shout out, getting some comments on the Twitter from some people on Twitter at Game Louisiana. Also, you can follow me at Clint Domang. And they said, come back from commercial break to Monkey Wrench. Rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins. Yes, it's a sad day if you're a rock and roll fan. One of the best drummers of the modern era, for me, it's always going to be Neil Peart, number one. Rest in peace to Neil Peart of Rush, by the way. But Taylor Hawkins, an absolute icon, passed away. News broke late last night around 9 o'clock. And I've been wanting to do this. Like, immediately before the show like even aired last night, I made the decision. I'm going to pull some Foo Fighters, some of their best hits, some of my personal favorites, and throw them up on the show throughout the day. It's kind of paid tribute to an absolute legend. Passed away the age of 50. Was part of the group right when they kind of started to get really, really big. During the color and the shape. When they had one of the more iconic songs, Everlong Drop. Because there was a falling out with the original drummer and Dave Grohl. Who wound up actually producing a lot of the drums for it. Obviously, Dave Grohl spent time with one of the most iconic bands of the 90s. And just one of the more like, most iconic bands in rock and roll history in Nirvana. Obviously, he was part of that. Then started the Foo Fighters not long after Kurt Cobain took his own life back in the early 90s. But give a shout out to people for catching a little, little Foo Fighters on a Saturday morning. Always love to play a little bit of that. And all, like, whenever I can, especially somebody like an iconic group that I remember, like that's one of the few like four or five bands that truly got me into rock because i was always like jumping around different genres when i was younger but i think it's the foo fighters smashing pumpkins nirvana metallica those are like my four bands i can say right now that got me into rock eventually hard rock bands like breaking benjamin lincoln park Again, going going to Metallica. Metallica was kind of where I drifted off towards that more hard rock, but still, Foo Fighters. Just hell, I was listening to a little bit of it like on my way here. Even I had one of their albums, just listening back to some of their greatest hits, and they have really nothing but bangers. Like the Pretender is a track that I always enjoyed hearing a lot. The way that started off. I mean, in fact, like. The more I've been hearing their music, the more I'm realizing how influential they he was as a drummer. Because like, I'm hearing more of the drum beats in there today, more than I think any other day that I've been like listening to the Foo Fighters over the last like 24 hours since he passed away at the age of 50. They're supposed to perform at Jazz Fest, I believe. In, it was supposed to be like the weekend, the first weekend in May. Because they weren't going to be the first weekend on Jazz Fest, but they were the second weekend. And I know Dave Grohl's performed with a broken leg before, but I feel like it's going to be tough to perform without an absolute legend like Taylor Hawkins. But we'll kind of flip it over, going towards some college basketball conversation. And I said it going into the break. Was Duke basketball 
and it just feels like it's becoming too poetic. In all honesty, it feels like it's way too easy to just say, hey, the Blue Devils are winning this thing, right? It just feels like that's the direction that this is going. The story is shifting towards old Dookie getting into the Final Four before Coach K hangs it up. He said before the season was even going to start, this was his last run. And much like Michael Jordan in the last dance, there could be a whole 30 for 30 being written about that. There could be a whole 30 for 30 written about the Duke Blue Devils last season. Hell, I think there could be a 30 for 30 written about a lot of teams that had a player that was about to hang it up. Ray Lewis is one that pops to mind. Peyton Manning is one that pops to mind. The ones that retired on top. And just that run of Duke basketball, what they've done is impressive as all get out. Yes, they beat some easy guys. I think Michigan State was a tough challenge. Hell, the game against Texas Tech, they looked like they were getting outclassed in the Sweet 16 on Thursday night. I was blown away how quickly that game got out of hand. But then somehow, someway, after a timeout, Coach K gets that team to act right, act like they've been there before, and boom, they take back control, and they do hold on for a win, 78-73. And I like the like the matchup they have in the Elite Eight against Arkansas. Arkansas probably is their only realistic threat towards a national championship. And yes, you can bring up Kansas, but let's be honest, I feel like Kansas could slip up at any given moment. Because yet Arizona, yet Gonzaga lose. I think Kansas is just as privy as anybody to wind up losing. Just again, just from my point of view and the way things have gone. Now I think they do get into the Final Four because they're playing Miami, a Miami team that's been so much better than I think any of us expected. Because when I think Miami, I think football. I think this is the first time I've thought about a program from the University of Miami that's not wearing pads and doesn't have Dwayne The Rock Johnson on or even Andre Johnson from the early 2000s. Miami's got a basketball program. Who would have thunk it? Now, they could have their run continue. That's anybody's guess. But I'll say this. It's been a fun ride in the NCAA tournament. Not so much if you're a better of sports, but if you're just a fan, it's been highly entertaining stuff. You've had a lot of high drama upsets. I mean, UNC last night beat UCLA, which again speaks like, and now I'm thinking about it. Imagine we get the battle for Tobacco Road in the finals, right? They're on opposite sides of the bracket. There's a really good shot that UNC could beat Kansas and in our hypothetical Final Four, we have Duke, Kansas, Houston, and UNC. It's three blue bloods and a team that is starting to get back towards top dog status. Because don't forget, Houston's been a damn good team over the last couple of years. And I talked about fly, fly slam a jamma earlier. They're not fly slam a jamma, but they're pretty doggone close. I think if you see that final four and you see three of those four being literal 
Blue Bloods, it's not going to be nearly as fun as it could be. But I'll say this. It just, it's going to make people want to watch more. Because a lot like in pro wrestling, you have good guys and bad guys. And while Coach K is not a bad guy by any definition of the word, bad guy. We just don't like Duke because they win too damn much. They are very much a team that just continues to win and get away with it and, and just win and never give a team a chance to win. A lot like the New York Yankees. While the Yankees franchise hasn't won anything in a good while of note, we still hate them. We still hate them. Now we flip over and talk about what's going on with this NCAA tournament. And this is Coach K's last run. I think a lot of people will hate to see him win. There'll be a good bit of fans that will hate to see him lose. But I feel like people will tune in more in the hopes to see Duke lose so another team can get in. Again, if there's a chance Eric Musselman tonight pulls off the upset against Duke, I'll be one happy camper because there won't be as many blue bloods in it, number one. Number two, I think Eric Musselman deserves all the love in the world. And I wish I could find archives of everything I've said on the show and remember exactly what I said when. But I think I've said on the show in the past before Wilway was hired, I wouldn't mind Eric Musselman. Lo and behold, Eric Musselman's turned around a program that was a bad for a while. I mean, horrible. And I've talked about it for a while. Arkansas deserves a lot more love. For once, I'm going against the grain, going against Arkansas, going against my better judgment with the five-leg parlay that includes Duke beating Arkansas outright. I wouldn't hate it. I, my my pocketbook would hate it, yes. But I think, personally, I would love to see it. Let's take a quick timeout right here on Under the Dome with CD. When we come back, we're going to get into some baseball conversation because Yuli Gurriel said something that hits on, I think, the single biggest flaw on the Astros franchise. The biggest fly on the ointment that is this franchise's woes or potential future woes. We'll talk about that next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Most sports talk shows turn it up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome is far from your ordinary sports talk show. It takes it just one step higher. These guys are laughing. Now back to the show that gets the lead out. Under the Dome with CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. And the Harlem Globetrotters will be coming to the Cajun Dome on April 5th, a big old Tuesday night. 
And guess what? You can see some of the most elite dunkers and exceptional ball handlers, an interesting turn of phrase there, on the entire doggone planet. You can enter in right now to see the Harlem Globetrotters, thanks to us here at the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We've got a family four-pack of tickets to the event. Now, how do you win? Well, it's simple. All you have, all you have to do is text Trotter, T-R-O-T-T-E-R, to 68683 to win tickets to see those Harlem Globe Trotters in action. Once again, text Trotter to 68683 to win a family four-pack of tickets to see them live in living color at the Cajun Dome, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana's sports, sports station. Excuse me. But I'm excited because we're getting that much closer to the start of the MLB season. But it's interesting to hear some of the Astros players. Namely, the man himself, a guy that's captured the hearts and minds of many Astros fans over the last few years. And it's Yuli Gurriel. Absolutely fantastic first baseman for this franchise. And he's fresh off of winning a American League batting title in his first ever gold glove. Lost some weight. And again, he's not getting any younger. He's in the final year of a contract he signed prior to the 2020 season. Now, God knows who they're going to get as a potential replacement. But he brought up something interesting in a quote to the media the other day. And essentially said that he knows it's his last year here. He has four older players. He knows it's harder to get deals. And again, he's 37 years old. He's not a spring chicken by any means. But he knows it's hard to get those deals, so he just came in better shape before just to be ready for when his free agency begins and, more importantly, lands somewhere else. Because he's a hell of a player. But what he says, I think, speaks volumes especially what you've seen the last few years with the way this franchise has gone. You've let numerous players walk as they get a little bit older. The only one that you've kept along is Justin Verlander. And so that is because of the fact that he is coming off of Tommy John and he looked marvelous in some of his starts, two very smooth starts to start off his you know, spring training, coming off of Tommy John, missing all of 2021, rehabbing it. And he's getting consistent. He had 31 strikes against the Cardinals on Wednesday night in a 10-3 win. Great. He's getting more consistent. He's sharpening his pitches. Is next up. And his consistency in his mind wasn't where he wanted it to be, but at the end of the day, I think this is going to be a lot of fun to see how he pans out. But going back to what Yuli Gurriel said is that it's his last year. He knows that the Astros in particular don't give you any big deals because of your age and how much older you get. And again, some of that makes sense, but at the same time you have guys like Garrett Cole, George Springer, a lot of the names that help make that franchise big and push and 
get over the hump of winning their first World Series championship, they've let more and more of those pieces go. Now, you wonder where the line is drawn when it comes to guys that you want to keep for the long term and sign to a big deal. You just let Carlos Correa, a guy that you have invested everything into, walk and go over to the Minnesota Twins on a four-year deal and make a ton, and I mean a ton, of money. But it was, I'm again, I'm just blown away at what Yuli said, and it speaks to, I think, the single biggest flaw that that Astros franchise has, and it's not retaining guys for long runs, or better yet, paying players that deserve the money. And, I mean, there's a big difference between Yuli Gurriel and Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa is 27 years old, and you couldn't pay him his worth. I I don't understand that. And, again, maybe it's the fact that you have overbought or per, uh, got too big of contracts with guys like Verlander, Bregman, Altuve. Like, those are guys that are going to be cogs of the future, but you've lost your shortstop. More likely than not, you're losing your first baseman, and there's no incumbent from the minor leagues that, like at least to everybody's POV that stands out that's going to be a star and be able to replace him. So you're going to have to go work towards working free agency to get somebody because even if you draft a good first baseman in the 2022 MLB draft, it's still going to be an uphill climb. And I've talked about it a lot, like whether or not there is a – kind of future in this Astros franchise to be sustained if you can't secure guys long-term. If you can just rely on a farm system that, yes, about a decade ago was great, but it's been hard to bear lately. It's been uphill climb for a lot of franchises to get things done. And the Astros, to a certain extent, feel a lot like the New Orleans Saints and are having to manage their money a certain way to keep some of their key guys. And from there, you're kind of having to build. But the thing with the Astros is they've been building a farm system for years, but they've also pawned off a lot of those key guys. And yes, you're going to have some really good players coming back this year, but you kind of start feeling like that window is starting to close for the Astros. And for the last several years, they've been a winner consistently. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact they're in the AL West. They're playing in a division that is just absolute crap. You've got the Angels are bad and it will not get any better because they don't invest in anybody besides... Mike Trout, and Shohei Otani. They don't have anything else besides those two guys. When Shohei Otani's not pitching, he's hitting. And yes, he hits well, but you need to have a better depth in your pitching staff. You need to have a better staff in terms of your starting nine. Because if Shohei ain't pitching or hitting, you got Mike Trout, that's it. And Mike Trout's an MVP, yes. One of the best baseball players in the league, yes. But he hasn't done a damn thing in terms of winning ball games and number two, getting 
playoff runs. I don't know how they've been able to kind of lock him in long term. And he's also one of the, probably one of the most boring players in the league. Then we see some other things go down. The Seattle Mariners are a team that looks good to start, but then they fall apart one way or another. The Oakland A's are the only real contenders. The Rangers are absolute pretenders. Like, they have no chance. So I've got to think, in my mind, the Astros could win, could keep winning the AL West, but I believe the windows are starting to close on a potential World Series title. Just this again, this is just my POV. But we'll take a quick timeout. Got one final take to get you into your weekend. We got LSU baseball coming up a little bit later today, pregame at five. First pitch at 5.30. But in the meantime, in between time, we'll take a quick timeout. One final take. Need more on the Pelicans' perspective. So we'll talk about that next right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Before we close up shop here on Under the Dome, CD has just one more take to fire off before he drops the mic. Is it going to be a take that lands on the Scoville scale? Or is it going to be as cold as the pizza in your fridge? Let's listen in and find out. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And you heard it. It's time for one final take. And I got to say, I said a while back that the Pelicans were kind of becoming a sleeping giant in the NBA. And obviously, it's tough to say whether or not that team is going to have a snowball's chance in hell of making a pass to play in tournament. But honestly, they're setting them, themselves up. They're poised to play in. Right now, they're currently the nine seed. If the playoffs started t- today, and they'd be in the play-in tournament, no doubt about it. But here's the thing. They've still got an uphill climb. They've still got to deal with a lot of teams that are going to trip them up in one way or another. You have the Lakers in two out of the next four games. You have the Clippers and the Warriors. You got the Trailblazers for a couple games, but the Trailblazers aren't anywhere near the same team that they were a couple years ago. But right now, you've got teams that are in that spot that are jockeying for position. You got the Spurs tonight, but you've got the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Warriors. Three teams that are in that playoff contention. You have the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are the Grizzlies. They're a team that's you got to probably got a solid shot of beating. Just in my heart of hearts, you got a chance to beat them. But you need to step your game up over this next two weeks. Because again, you've got the Lakers, the Clippers, you've got the Kings and the and the, and the Trailblazers and the Grizzlies. I think the Grizzlies might be your only. <clears throat> real challenge outside of the Lakers and the Clippers and the Warriors. 
but you've got to win the games you sh- sh- should win. Because that's always been my thing. You need to win games that you should win to prove to me that you are a capable team that can make the playoffs. If you can't win against the Kings, you can't win against the Blazers, you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Especially with everything that you've been doing this year. This team has gotten so much better without Zion Williamson, and it's been a great thing to see. Zion won't be coming back anytime soon. Hopefully they can get to the playoffs and show him, hey, look what we did here. When you come back and you're healthy, this is what we we could do even better. Imagine what we could do with you. Look at what we're doing without you. Prove that we can do a lot more with you. That's just how I see it, and I think that's the way it's going to be. Hopefully you had a great time listening to the show. I had a great time delivering it to you. Be back next week, a supersized edition ever so slightly. Going to 1230, LSU baseball will be starting up at 1 o'clock, so we'll lead you up to the pregame show next week. But until then, I'm the world-famous CD telling you to have a great weekend. Peace!